What's up, youth? It's Pastor Aaron. Stoked for you guys to listen to this message. Check it out. We're finishing Psalm 63 tonight. Um, if you haven't been here or you don't remember, go back and read it. Go back and listen to those messages. Um, Aaron and I have talked about this being our passage for the year. It doesn't just mean that we're reading it once at the beginning of the year, um, and that's it. No, this is like our hope and our prayer for you guys this year, um, is that you guys would be seeking God and pursuing him like it talks about um, in this passage. Um, I'm going to read the full thing really quick because I'm closing it up tonight, and then I'll pray, and then we'll get into it. Cool? Um, it, goes, it starts off like this. Um, this is David writing the psalm. It says, Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. It shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that that you're with us tonight, God. I thank you, God, that no matter what may be going on in these students' lives, Jesus, that you are sovereign over all of it, that you are with them, that you are for them, Jesus, whether they know it or not. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me tonight, God, that these students wouldn't hear me speaking up here, that they would leave here, God, knowing you a little bit more. You hear me pray. Amen. Um, amen. Um, uh, really, I may adjust something on my laptop really quick because I realized the version I have on my notes, I like updated earlier, and it's way different than the one that's up there. Anyway, um, so the verses we're focusing on tonight are the last three. It's Psalm 63, 9 through 11. Um, They'll be up there on the screen. They should be at least. Um, It says, I'm going to read the last three one more time. It says, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They'll go down to the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Um, I don't know about you. But I would venture to say that our enemies are a lot different than the ones that David is talking about in this psalm. In the beginning of the psalm, before it starts in my Bible, um, it says something like David wrote, written when David was in the wilderness. Um, when David's talking about his enemies in this psalm, he's talking about people that are hunting him down to kill him. When I think about um, my, not my enemies, I never really think of anyone as my enemy. But when I think about, you know, applying this verse to my life, when I think about, okay, what does this mean for me? I don't think about, okay, who am I literally fighting for my life against? When I ask you guys, okay, who are the people who are against you? Who are your quote-unquote enemies? You might be thinking, okay, that teacher who drives me nuts um, or that friend who pushes my buttons or that friend who pushes my buttons on purpose all the time, um, my parents a lot of the times, my, my sibling, um, that homework that I have to conquer, whatever it may be, those might be your enemies. Most of those aren't black and white. I would actually go out to say that a lot of those people, your te- most of your teachers, um, a lot of your parents, um, those people are probably on your team. Those people probably are people who are actually trying to help you out and might just not be going about it the right way. David's enemies here are people who were literally trying to kill him. In 1 Samuel 22, um, it talks about how David, do you guys remember the story of David and Goliath? Most of you guys probably do, right? Um, so in that story, there was King Saul. King Saul, like, showed David his armor and was trying to, you know, prepare David to fight Goliath. And 
1 Samuel chapter 22, it talks about how Saul literally is so envious and so jealous with David that literally an evil spirit torments him and he goes insane to the point where he's, he, he says, I'm going to kill David and starts to try to kill him. He's the king of Israel at this point. He starts to try to kill David and hunt him down to the point where David literally goes on the run. I would venture to say that none of your teachers or your parents or your siblings are doing that. In this verse, as David's, as David's writing Psalm 63, he says, those who want to kill me, the people who are literally hunting him down, David's in the wilderness, he's going from cave to cave, he's hiding in trees, he's hiding everywhere, he's, he's running for his life. The people that are trying to kill David, he confidently says, those people who are trying to kill me, they'll be destroyed. Those people who are trying to murder me, God's going to handle. They will literally go down to the depths of the earth. They're not just going to be taken care of. They're going to be so far buried beneath the earth. They're not even going to be near me. Verse 10, it says, they'll be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. They're literally going to be food for the animals in this wilderness that I'm on the run in. David's enemies, like I said earlier, they're way different than yours and mine. If God could protect David, and I'm jump, I know I'm jumping right into my message tonight. I'm not doing any ton of stories tonight, just a couple of verses. If God could protect David from those people who were hunting him, how much more can he protect you from the enemies that you face? How much more can God actually protect you from your annoying teacher or your dysfunctional family? And this isn't to minimize your problems. But what it is, it's actually an encouragement of man. David was literally a teenager, a kid on the run for his life in the wilderness. He was being hunted day after day. And he was okay. He literally he had complete peace. It, it, was, it wasn't, okay, God, well, I, I really hope you're going to do this. Or, man, God, I don't feel like it today. I mean, I'm sure there were days where David maybe felt like that. But in this psalm, David says, those people who are hunting me, they will be destroyed. How much more can God be with you in the middle of your stressful week? How much more can God handle your depression or your anxiety? Maybe there are people who are actually your enemies. Maybe there are people who attack you at school or, I don't know, say things about you when you're not in the room that really, really not just hurt you but make you feel destroyed. Maybe there are people who you would say, no, Luke, I, okay, maybe you didn't grow up like this, but I actually have enemies. Maybe you're in a household where there's abuse. Maybe you deal with some serious mental illness where you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it through today. And if you do, I'm here to tell you that God is bigger than that. If God was able to protect David... And not just protect him, but give David the strength to the point where he was not just okay, but he was at complete and total peace. How much more can God handle those things for you? God is our defender. And that's something I want you guys to remember tonight. God's our defender. He's not just this faraway God who's in a corner, who's just, you know, he's, he's far away from you. He put you on this earth and he left. He's not this God who's unaccessible. God is your defender. He's with you, fighting your battles with you. And all you have to do is run to him. That's it. That's all you have to do. It's easier said than done, but how often do we forget to run to God? Girls, get off your phone near the top. How often do we forget to run to God? How often do we forget to actually say, God, I need you, and we're in the middle of something? I do all the time. There is not, there is not a day that goes by where I don't forget to run to God. I try to. I, I would say that I do more times than not. But a lot of the time when I'm facing something, I, I, I start to deal with it on my own. I try to, try, try to overthink my way through things. I try to process things on my own. Eventually, because just practice over, over years of following the Lord, eventually I get there. 
But a lot of times I forget to run to God. How often do we forget to turn to God? The God of the universe is in your corner. He's, he's behind you. You might feel like you're alone tonight, but I'm here to tell you that you're not. God is defending you. He's with you through everything and anything. Amen? Amen. Verse 11. And this is the part where it connects to where you have to run to God. Verse 11. It says, but the king will rejoice in God. All who swear in God, swear by God, will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. It says all who swear by God. The, the Hebrew for that word swear, it's not just, okay, all those who say, okay, yeah, God, I'm with you. It's, it's like taking an oath. It's like you're, being, you're committing to God. It says something about like sevenfold. Like you're, you're, you're doing it over and over. You're committing to God. It doesn't just mean, okay, I raised my hand in church once. It doesn't mean, okay, I'm with God on Wednesdays and Sundays, some part of my week. What that looks like, and this is, again, way easier said than done. It is hard. It is a daily battle for your youth leaders, for your youth pastors, for the pastors of this church. It is hard for people that you think it's not hard for. But what it looks like is, man, I'm committed to God. God is at the center of my life. Is God at the center of your life? Is he really the reason why you are, not the reason why you're living and breathing? Is he truly the source of your joy and your peace? Or is he just something that you talk about every now and then? Is he something that you were, you were raised in? Is he something that you, you go to once or twice a year? Or is God truly someone that you're committed to? And not just for the sake of religion, not just for the sake of checking all the right boxes, but for the sake of man. My heavenly father created me and loved me and sent his son down to die on the cross for my sins. And all I want to do is praise him. And I don't say that just to convict you. I say that to encourage you, to tell you that the God who sent his son down on the cross to die for your sins, he's with you in every battle you face, no matter how tiny you may think it is. I have days where I, I, I don't get enough sleep in general. I have days where, I, like today, I did not get enough sleep last night. God cares that I didn't get enough sleep last night. When I'm asking God, God, help me get through this day. I don't know how I'm going to preach tonight, Lord. I'm tired. I don't feel great. Help me get through it. When I, when I, and I, I didn't even do that enough today. When I have days like that, God cares. When you have days where you're like, man, God, today just kind of sucks. God cares about those things. I have those days all the time. I'm sure you do too. And even, even then, God cares about the big things too. God cares about your family life. God cares about your mental health. God cares about the, the, the school you're in that you hate. God cares about all those things. Are you running to him? Are you committed to him? Or is God just someone that you turn to every once in a while? God takes care of our enemies. Is that where we're supposed to find our joy? Are we supposed to find our joy in the fact that God takes care of our enemies? That God is, okay, yep, God handled it. I'm okay, now I can move on. No, God wants us to praise him. In this verse, it says, but the king will rejoice in God. It doesn't say that the king will rejoice in the fact that his enemies are taken care of. It doesn't say that the king will rejoice in the fact that on paper, everything's okay here on earth. That in the season he's in, that practically everything's all right. It says that the king will rejoice in God. It doesn't say that the king will rejoice based off his situation. The king will rejoice based off of the relationships he has, off the popularity he has, off the money he has. It says that the king will rejoice in God. He doesn't find his joy in the fact that his enemies are taken care of. He finds his joy in God. And the world will tell you not to do that. Um, I love sports. Most of you guys know that. The best athletes are, this is a fact, the best athletes are the ones who they don't, don't fly. Eagles fly in the corner, Mason. The, the, best, the best athletes, they're the ones who they take their joy in the downfall of their enemies. 
Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time. That's a fact. <laughs> Loud amen from Steve, 100%. Not even true. Don't, I'll argue with you after service. Michael Jordan's the best basketball player of all time. And a lot of that comes from the fact that he was the best trash talker of all time. Did any of you guys watch um, The Last Dance on ESPN during COVID? All, all the guys in the top row did. I know you did. Um, Michael Jordan's the best trash talker of all time. Larry Bird, one of the best basketball players ever. He once played a game. He's right-handed. He shot left-handed the whole game because I think it was because something someone said before the game. And he scored like 30 points. Kobe Bryant, he was addicted to winning. And so was Michael Jordan. All, like, Michael Jordan made everything a contest. He, he, you know, there's a scene in The Last Dance where he's, it's like, it's a meme now, um, where he's, he's like going back and forth with the security guard in the lobby before a game. And they're playing this game, I forget what it's called, where you flick a coin and whoever gets closer to the edge of the wall, the baseboard, without touching it wins. And they're, just, they're betting everything. Michael Jordan, like, most famous person on earth in the 90s, best basketball player of all time, richest man in the NBA, is betting with a security guard who works a nine-to-five. He gets paid $20 an hour because he's just addicted to winning. There are, like, stories of his card, of his, the card games, the poker games, and the hell, on the, the, air, the airplanes between games. The best athletes are the ones who are addicted to winning, the ones who find their joy in the downfall of their enemies. The same thing happens in movies. There are so many movies that I remember just movie trope, TV trope from a kid, from when I was watching when I was a kid, where there's some episode or movie where this kid goes on, like, some adventure, he does something, um, and then at the end of, like, he learns some lesson, and at the end of it, he, like, applies that lesson to some bully he's dealing with. I'm, I'm talking, like, stuff for little kids. Um, and, like, that's where his joy comes from. Or, like, the girl in, like, a high school romantic comedy, she's popular by the end of the movie. A lot of, of sports and movies and TV shows and the things that this world tells us tells us to take our joy in the downfall of our enemies. But God tells us differently. God tells us to find our joy and our peace in him. Psalm 18.2, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. If we root ourselves in things that aren't God, if we root ourselves in our situation, if we root ourselves in the people around us, we root ourselves in our finances or what's on paper or what we think works best, if we root ourselves in those things, our world is up and down. Our life's a roller coaster. There will be seasons where things are really good and you'll have a ton of peace. But there will also be seasons where you are broken and you're in shambles. And I'm encouraging you here, don't just come to God when you are in those seasons where, man, this sucks. For me, some people, I know with a lot of Christians, it's like, okay, some people it's really easy for them to turn to God when things are good. Some people it's really easy for them to turn to God when things are hard. For me, I'm someone where it's easy for me to turn to God when things are hard, but not when things are good. I'm, I'm encouraging you guys tonight. If you're here because you're, man, life has sucked lately. I just wanted to come to church tonight. I'm, I love that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. But I'm encouraging you, don't just show up in those seasons. And I'm not saying don't just show up to church. Don't just show up to God in those seasons. Don't just show up to prayer times in the seasons where things are hard. Show up to, to God time. Show up to spending time with the creator of the universe when things are good just because you praise him. Not because, God, you know what? I have so much money. Thank you. God, I feel so loved by my friends. Thank you. Those are, those are things to thank God for. Be thankful. Thank God for those things. He's sovereign over everything. But at the same time, those things shouldn't be the source of your joy. It says the king will rejoice in God despite the fact that all his enemies are dead. He's not rejoicing in that. He's not rejoicing in his situation. He's not rejoicing in the outcome of it. He's rejoicing. I mean, I'm sure he's thanking God for it, but he's rejoicing just in God. He's abiding in God. He's finding his peace in the Lord. If we base our joy and our peace off the circumstances of others, our hearts will be filled with hate and comparison and anxiety and lack of identity. If, if I based myself on everything 
that, that everybody did around me, I wouldn't even know who I was anymore. And God created every single one of you individually and specially and uniquely. We all have different gifts and talents and just personalities that God delights in. It's something I'm learning a lot about myself in this season, that there are things about myself that I think people can't stand that God delights in. How do you do that? How do you find your joy in the Lord? You seek him. You spend time with him. And I know this is a short message, but band, you can come up. How do you find your joy in God? Maybe you're, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, okay, but Luke, this season sucked. I don't know how to find my joy in God. Things are really, really hard. Seek him. Spend time with him. Pursue him. The whole reason why Psalm 63 was our passage for the year for youth is because we wanted to, to be pushing you guys, to be praying for you guys, to be interceding for you guys in the prayer room that, man, you guys would actually seek God. Aaron and I, we could care less how many kids are in this room. I mean, we want a ton of kids in this room because we want a ton of people to know the Lord, but that's why. We want you guys to truly, truly seek and know God not just on paper, not just on Wednesdays or Sundays, not just because you were in Sunday school or because your family brought you here all the time, not because you went to a Christian school or you knew a lot about God, but because you truly knew him and you pursue him and you seek him and you desire him. If you're in here and you're like, I don't even know what that looks like, just start. It just takes a little step. And over and over, you will find, as I have found, as Aaron has found, as your youth leaders have found, as a lot of you guys have found, over and over, you will find that the only true and perfect source of peace that you can actually not just hold on to for a little bit, but that you can count on, that you can faithfully rely on, is the Lord. Put him at the center of your life. Man, so often in the church, there are people who, it's just a Wednesday and Sunday thing. Or for you guys, it's just a Thursday and Sunday thing. There are kids I grew up with in youth group who, man, they don't even know the Lord anymore. And that's not, Maybe some of them didn't ever know Jesus, but that's not because some of them didn't ever know God. That's because a lot of them, God wasn't at the center of their life. I don't say that to scare you or to convict you. I say that to encourage you. Man, there is nothing else that this world could offer that is better than Jesus. There is no better source of peace, no better source of joy, no better source of life, no perfect source of any of those things except for Christ. Seek him. He's your protector. Man, if you are in a season and you're like, I, Luke, I don't know what to do, or, you know, maybe you're in your small groups, you're talking to Mackenzie or Jerrica or Ariel or any of our girl leaders, and you're like, I don't know what to do. Family sucks, school sucks, home sucks, anxiety sucks, depression sucks, whatever it is. I'm addicted to this, X, Y, and Z, whatever that may be. God is with you. He's your defender. It literally says that if you, like David, it, the, there's proof. David was on the run. Because these aren't just stories. These are things that actually happened. David was on the run. And God, was, he said, God, you're with me. You'll handle my enemies. Go read David's story in the Bible. David was literally, he was a teenager. I don't even, I'm not a scholar. He was a kid. I know that. David was a kid. He fought Goliath. He was on the run in the wilderness. God was with him. David, he had ups and downs in the Bible. David struggled with sin. He struggled with lust. He struggled with all those things. Yet God was with him through all of it. God was his defender. Why? Because David ran to him. David was with him, or God was with him no matter what. God's with you no matter what. Run to God tonight. I don't know what your relationship with Jesus looks like. Some of you I do. But whatever it is, run to God tonight. Make him the center of your life, the center of your day-to-day. 
Because when you base your, your emotions, your perspective, when you base those things on what this world has to offer, life's a roller coaster. But God's the only true and perfect source of peace you could ever find. I'm going to read Psalm 63 one more time as I close. And I encourage you guys, just close your eyes. Separate from your friends. This is my prayer for you guys in this season, that you would truly seek God, not for the sake of, man, you know, we're doing such a good job at youth. We have all these kids who are doing all these cool things. No, I don't care about that. It's it's that you guys would actually know what it's like to experience freedom in Jesus, experience peace in Jesus, to know, man, God, he loves me unconditionally, and I just want him to be the center of everything I do. Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you're my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They'll go down to the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Father, I thank you, Lord, just that these students are here tonight for no other reason than to know you, God. I pray, Lord, that this region, this area, this this church, God, this, this house, Lord, would become a place where students not just know about you or know of you, but truly seek you, Father. I pray, Lord, that these students, God, that they would give you the parts of their heart that they're afraid to give you, God that they wouldn't just let you into the easy things or, the, or the, the fun things, God, but that they would start to let you into the hard stuff, the start that's hard, not super fun to deal with, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would just set these students' hearts on fire for you tonight, that they would praise you and you'd be the center of everything they have. We love you and praise you and we pray. Amen. Hope you guys got a ton out of that message. I know I did. If you want to connect with us here at The Rock Youth, follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH. Subscribe to us on YouTube or Spotify by searching The Rock YTH or text The Rock Youth MS or The Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything going on at The Rock Youth. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed. See you next time.